0: Hello? Anybody
1: home? (laughs) Today, I want you to open your mind.
0: I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their
2: servitude.
0: We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily
3: on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence
1: to change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world especially the United States
0: It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of
4: space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes.
1: Perception is the key and the heart is the solution.
0: Heart perception will change everything.
1: I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable, that's r-d-g-a-b-l-e, at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash teachings, And check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info for our full show archive, the montage archive, all of my digital books, top news, and more. It's all at www.thesecretteachings.info, and you can subscribe to the Archive. It supports the network, the Fringe FM, the Secret Teachings, and I think it supports you as well. It's $40 for a one-year subscription to the Archive. The montage is the digital books and a free copy of one of the books that I've written, physical soft cover, autographed if you'd like free shipping in the United States. That's what supports this radio broadcast Five nights a week, Monday through Friday, right here on the Fringe. And you can download the Fringe FM app for your Android device or for the Apple device. And that is also free. And there will be a free on-demand playlist in that Fringe FM app. I haven't been able to download it because I have a really, really old crappy phone. Not a big fan of technology in that regard. But from the people I know who have it, including Joe Roop, it's pretty cool he showed it to me. You can just kind of listen to any of the on-demand shows for uh, The Secret Teachings or anything else on the network. And then, of course, the website, fringe.fm, or the old website link, it still is active. It's the same website, just different URLs, thefringe.fm and fringe.fm. It's still .fm, just like our website is .info. Uh, This week has been pretty heavy with what we discussed last night, what happened Wednesday, We did an interesting show on symbols on Tuesday called Needle in a Symbol Stack, Deciphering the Rose Hexagram. I think it was Monday night I was on Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. So this week has been pretty heavy on apocalyptic imagery, symbolism, quite a bit of mythology, quite a bit of, I'd say, philosophy mixed in. But I always come back to one of my favorite topics, and although tonight isn't just like any night, not going to be a singular topic. There's a theme tonight and a meaning to the perceived madness, let's say. But we're going to talk about something interesting tonight, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hope. She's in studio with me. And uh, let's make sure that we have the microphone working properly. Is it working? I
5: think so. Thanks for having me on again.
1: You got it. You got it. Sounds pretty good. I think we finally have it worked out so we don't have to do much prep before we we go on
5: because
1: this is just like a makeshift setup. This isn't really professional. I don't know, this arm that Joe gave me doesn't even have a little bolt in it. so It's
5: like propped up on the table. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite precariously suspended here, but it is. we'll that, make it work.
1: It's great. You're comfortable. I'm kind of comfortable in this chair and we have a lot to talk about tonight. I wanted to start off with this though because Last night was a very, very heavy subject, and uh, I got some positive feedback. I tried to approach it as neutrally and as unbiasedly as possible. Uh, For those of you who were paying attention to what happened at the Capitol on Wednesday, uh, for some reason people were more upset about that than four years of cities burning and statues being torn down. But we can transition from what might be termed politics or what might be termed... um, let's call it something i guess it could be geopolitical because other countries are watching what's happening in the us with kind of you know a little excitement or a little dismay and surprise but we can take that and we can look at a different topic tonight so joe biden who was certified as the president who will become the president in a couple of days has picked what's this guy's name hope mm-hmm. Tom Vilsack? Yeah,
5: Tom Vilsack.
1: Yeah, Tom Vilsack. I know he was like the former governor of Iowa. Who is Tom Vilsack? What is this guy? He picked him to head the USDA.
5: Or to be the Secretary of Agriculture.
1: Oh, well, yeah, back to the USDA. Yes, Secretary of Agriculture, Mm -hmm. yes. So Joe Biden has picked Tom Vilsack to head the Department of Agriculture. If
5: I'm not mistaken, he was the Secretary of Agriculture. Under, in the Obama the Obama administration
1: he was yes he so. was involved in the Obama administration and I know he was a huge proponent of genetically modified foods
5: mm-hmm.
1: uh, corporate food manufacturers So I don't know it's weird to me and let me try to word this question in a in a neutral way It's weird to me how people that consider themselves to be like Democrats and they don't like big corporations, and they're all about the little man, but then they somehow like big government, and just because they like democratic politics or something, it's like they're kind of okay with this, even though this guy represents the opposite of everything the Democratic Party supposedly represents.
5: I don't know. No, it's very naive of people to be like, oh, support small business, like shop local, like keep local economies booming, but then you basically are just like, Bending over for big government and then big government is big corporations at this point. Like,
1: I like that. Yeah, they're bending over for big government. It's a big government bend over. <laughs> That's what they do. And this, these kinds of people like Tom Vilsack, their career, I don't know if you could call him a career politician because he's been involved in other things, but they're career men and career women that they're never out of government or they're never out of some kind of corporate influence. There's a revolving door between businesses and, you know, corporations and government and they're back and forth and back and forth. And it's like we tend to forget about that and we're really focused and concerned on who the president is. But we forget that there are all these other people that really make the policies and make the decisions that really do determine the direction of, of a country or our individual lives. It affects us in some way. And we just kind of overlook that. I don't know. That's what I think.
5: Yeah, it's more so just that the president is like the face what everybody sees. It's like the the front cover. But then if you like actually read further into it and all the people that go along with that person's presidency, like all the cabinet members, all the policies that are going to be put into place, like you can really see some red flags. Even if your candidate seems, seems like it's somebody that you agree with, you agree with their policies, but it's not just the president's policies. It's everybody else that goes along with that.
1: People like Vilsack and others that give the president quote unquote advice You know, they give them advice or they give them recommendations on what they should do. And because these are experts, they follow the recommendations or it's because of money being involved or threats or something to that effect. But while people are really concerned, I guess that's the point in the theme. While people are really concerned about Donald Trump or Joe Biden, like this is always going on. There's always backdoor dealings. And it's strange from a from a neutral standpoint, how people that are so concerned with the environment they tend to lean more to the left not that people on the right aren't but then they just like they just kind of forget about this right and that doesn't make any sense to me
5: people just like to plead ignorance willful ignorance is really powerful
1: and i was thinking of something else you told me about how well there was one person you had spoken to who said like they didn't like trump because he rolled back these environmental policies or something Mm -hmm. 95 of them was it
5: yeah, or something like that.
1: True, uh, true. And I don't like fracking. I don't like fracking. That doesn't make me a Democrat, but it's just weird, like concerned about environmental policies, but then you support Democrats who literally, in the case of Joe Biden, have sold the country out to China, which is one of the worst polluters probably in the history mm-hmm. of human civilization. Well, and
5: that comment was in response because I brought up the point that Biden had planned to bring back Vilsack.
1: Vilsack, right, a, that's right. Ahead
5: the head of the USDA.
1: So you brought up that he's bringing Vilsack back, right? And their response was, "Well, Trump did bad stuff, or like, something well, to I'm that like, effect." Yeah,
5: like I, I never said that either were good. Both are, both are terrible, in my opinion. Like
1: that's a that's a great point. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, Biden's bringing this Vilsack guy back to the Department of Agriculture, and then she said something to the effect of, "Well, Trump did all these things to the environment."
5: Yeah, I'm like, okay, like, both are true. Like, both are valid. Like, I don't understand why that was your immediate counter, but whatever.
1: It's that political bias, and it's weird because food is way more political than we think. Mm -hmm. Food is very highly political. It's weird listening to, like, conservative radio where they talk a lot about meat, Mm -hmm. and they talk a lot about things that if you listen to, like, more liberal-leaning podcasts or radio, they're talking about filtered water and vegan food. But right. then when a conservative wants to eat vegan or they want to purify their water, they call them a conspiracy theorist for wanting to pure. I mean, these are things I've been called before because right. you want to purify your water. You're a conspiracy theorist. It just doesn't make any sense. It's well, kind of funny. Didn't
5: we talk about it on one of the other shows that we did? It was like poor people shouldn't go to farmer's markets and be like
1: all that news article
5: by left by um lefty food. Hold on. <laughs>
1: Hold on. Left leaning. I want to pull up my, my food book. Yeah, that was like a New York Times article. Mm -hmm. Let's see, left-leaning. Where's it at? It's in here somewhere. Oh, it was, I can't, now I got the rainbow wheel. Oh, man. I've got the rainbow wheel. I messed it up. There we go. It was esoteric food. Why is it not working, Hope?
5: I don't know. Esoteric lefty food propaganda or labeling or something in that people won't understand it.
1: Kyle Smith. Okay, so this is what I wrote in Food Philosophy uh, on this subject and the ignorance of health. A writer for the New York, for a New York newspaper, Kyle Smith put it this way, quite erroneously: "Quote, for the average poor person." It isn't a great option to take a trip to the farmers market to puzzle over esoteric lefty foodie codes.
5: It's <laughs> one of my favorite quotes. And then continuing on, is sustainable better than organic? What if I have to choose between fair trade and cruelty free? But that that's a good segue into what we are gonna talk about later in the show is knowing the difference between those kinds of things and really educating yourself when it comes to food labeling and what those things really mean and so that you can appropriately use your dollar for a cause that you really want to use.
1: Yes, and this quote proceeds, it says, produce may seem cheap to environmentally aware blonde moms Mm -hmm. who spend $300 on their highlights every month, but if your object is to fill your belly, it is highly expensive per calorie. That is an unbelievably misleading, disingenuous, and false statement. It is not.
5: Well, I kind of agree with on a calorie basis, but it's... Yes, calories are important, making sure you're getting enough calories, but we are not calorie deficient as a nation. We are severely nutrient deficient as a nation.
1: Fiber deficient. Yeah. Nutrient deficient. <laughs> we have too many calories and we have too much protein.
5: Exactly. So
1: Is that an accurate statement? Do I get the stamp of approval yeah, for yeah, nutrition? Yeah,
5: I think that that was a very accurate statement. All
1: right, all right. Esoteric lefty food labels. And then I wanted to mention this guy and we'll go into what you have. Michael Taylor, remember him? You said Tom Vilsack was known as Mr. Monsanto, and I, I hadn't heard that. I remember Michael Taylor being Mr. Monsanto. I think there's a lot of Mr. Monsanto's
5: at this point. Yeah, everybody found that it was a good money maker to get in with Monsanto. So,
1: which now is owned by Bayer. Uh, Michael Taylor. If you've ever been to the grocery store and you've seen like the cheese where there's a, a label on it that says no significant difference has been shown between milk derived from RBST treated. And non-RBST treated cows, that was Michael Taylor who wrote that. That's like a growth hormone, right? Mm -hmm. So Michael Taylor wrote that while at the FDA. And then Monsanto was very happy with him because it related to their product. So they hired him on. So he was working at the FDA after leaving Monsanto. And then he goes back and he works later again for Monsanto. I think Obama put him in charge Again, so he goes back and works at Monsanto, then he comes back to the FDA. So it was back and forth between Monsanto and the FDA. And then this is interesting. I did research on this guy when I wrote my food philosophy book, and I found out that his, he's a cousin of Al Gore's wife, that, which is just very bizarre because she's one of the people with Al Gore that are pushing, like, hardcore lockdowns for global warming, climate change, Green New Deal, stuff like that. And Michael Taylor's wife, Christine Lewis-Taylor, Um, was an employee of the FDA as well. And I don't know if you know about this, Hope, but she um, helped to advance the idea that nutrients should be considered toxins in order to justify regulating their availability, which is what we call Codex Alimentarius, which was created in 1962 um, as a trade commission by the United Nations to oversee the international distribution of food. His wife was involved in that.
5: These people are evil.
1: Yes, they're evil. These
5: people are <laughs> evil. How can you... I'm not, like, I wish that you all could see my face when you were just reading that to me. I am going to get a picture <laughs> posted on
1: Facebook. But because yeah,
5: that's just ridiculous. Like that is outrageous that... I just, I just don't know. No comment? Yeah. <laughs> like
1: So literally, that's who these people are. Like Al Gore's wife is a cousin of Michael Taylor, whose wife was running Codex Elementaries for the United Nations. Mm -hmm. This guy was in charge of the FDA and big biotech companies. And it's your loving leaders like Barack Obama and Joe Biden, even people like Donald Trump. None of these people care about the environment. They all, all of them. You think Donald Trump's a businessman? Obama was far more of a businessman than Donald Trump is. Donald Trump built hotels and banged supermodels. Barack Obama was a massive globalist corporate hack and this is what they all do. Every single one of these politicians do the exact same thing when there's money involved. They're all married to each other, related to each other.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like nepotism, selling out. Yeah, you, you know, know Bar- Barack
1: Obama is like the sixth cousin of Dick Cheney, who was Bush's vice president. They're all related right. to each other. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> w- w- I don't know what you'd like to talk about, but tonight we're going to discuss food waste, which is a big subject for a lot of different reasons. And I felt that it would be appropriate to begin the conversation. Um, you and I talked about this last week on the show. Yeah, wasn't yeah. It? Well,
5: we had talked about doing a show about food waste and like it was just something that we wanted to talk about. And then we had an incident occur at the big incident, <laughs> a really, really big incident occurred at the grocery store that you and I both work at. I don't know. Do you want to tell or do you want me to tell?
1: I'll give a pre, a pre, prelude to it is that you and I on the last week's show called Awakening the Divine, we had talked about the first time that we met and how we were talking about environmental things and you had made a comment about there being too many people, right? Mm-hmm. And then you came back and corrected yourself and you said like, "I let me rephrase that.
5: Yeah, I was like, I just want to clarify, like it's not over population it's overcrowding and like the yes. kind of where people are living like we aren't using our land effectively
1: and then i said something to you about food waste and i said and i think food's the same way i think it's not that we don't have enough food it's a distribution problem oh, exactly. yeah. it's a waste problem mm-hmm. it's a personal responsibility problem so we had that conversation at work kind of towards what was the beginning of really you working there and we got yeah, to know each like other months ago, yeah and now we're kind of at the end of the business not being there anymore because of a lot of problems our business might actually close down in all seriousness yeah, yeah think
5: it's, like it's very likely that our business is not going to be open in a month or two
1: so subscribe to the show because <laughs> i'm not going to have jobs soon so the point is though the, the i don't know I, I went into work this is all i know i went into work the alarm was going off and it's, i guess it's is it connected to the coolers the alarm for the building
5: it's a different alarm system, I think.
1: But it's connected to the main alarm system, I think. or okay. some. I think because it was going off, it sounded like someone had broken a window. Oh, okay. So anyway, I, w- I walked in and I heard the alarm. So I texted the managers and I told them that's what was going down. There was no police. And I was texted later on by a manager who told me to check the dairy cooler. And it turns out the dairy cooler, long story short, was uh, a nice 62 degree, uh, Florida, it was a balmy. nice, nice Florida morning. Yeah. In the cooler, I wanted to take my break in there. It was really nice.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, this happened. This was the second. We were closed the first, January first of the year. So then, he apparently got notified on the first that
1: our manager, the alarm was
5: going off. Right.
1: Yes. And then nothing. I guess nobody checked. Nobody
5: it. did anything about it. So then the next day, the second, when we all come into work. Customers are coming up to us being like, hey, it doesn't seem like very cold in there. And there were two like things of crescent rolls that had exploded Exploded. because they, they got too warm. So we go back and the cooler is like 62, 65 degrees. It's warmer than it is in the back warehouse.
1: And there's eggs, milk, cheese, lots of vegan products. Meat. Meat. Refrigerated meat. And all of it was what had to be written off. And dumped.
5: Yeah, we couldn't sell it. It's a liability. We can't sell that to people.
1: And I think it was about between ten and fifteen thousand dollars in product wasted. Lost. Just gone. We did get to take
2: some of it home. Although
5: yes, we did manage to salvage quite a bit. Employees could take whatever they wanted because we understood the risk. I gave a bunch of food to my friends. You gave a bunch of food to Joe.
1: Joe has so much meat. (laughs) <laughs> Shout out to Joe's fridge because that thing is packed. Right, I went up there and he was wrapping it in tin foil because apparently if you wrap it in tin foil, it'll last longer in really? the freezer. I gave this, I gave this man ham, probably a whole like five
5: hundred dollars worth of meat at least,
1: pork chops, steaks. He Eggs. said he he told me though he said this grass fed stuff. He says best best meat he ever had.
5: Really, I was like, I know, worth, buddy, worth the extra penny.
1: Told, go down there and get some of this stuff when it's not. Spoiled. Right. It'll be even better. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but yeah, we were like calling up different people that we knew. And it's like, if you know anybody that can take any of this, as long as they understand the risk, like we just can't sell it. And a lot of it's fine. Like all the fermented stuff that we took has been fine. We have so much kimchi and sauerkraut and pickled things. Hundreds and of dollars. I have, I acquired probably 20 to 30 pounds of tempeh throughout this so i have enough tempeh to feed me for the rest of the year
1: Uh, so so much kimchi i've got like i had like five six seven yeah i have like 12 jars it's like 10 bucks a jar right yeah at any grocery not just a co-op at any grocery store it's like ten dollars a jar yeah so i've got like a 100 plus dollars of that i got the pumfu
5: yeah so we were sitting here like cashing out on this dairy cooler going down but It was like shop
2: shop till you drop. But
5: a lot of it had to just get thrown out. Like they were wheeling out carts and carts full of like yogurt, milk, juices, butter, cheese. And it's just, you were looking at it and you're just like, this is so sad. And it's not even just like the end product being wasted. Like that's sad enough. But then you get to thinking about all the resources that it took to produce all of this stuff. All of the energy it took to grow the food to feed the cows to produce the dairy to then process the dairy to then package it and then ship it and then us like the fuel cost yeah the fuel cost the emissions the the product the, uh, uh, the packaging, packaging itself packaging, yeah. yeah like it's just so it's so sad and it, then you get to thinking like how often does this happen across the world yeah because exactly humans, across the planet humans just mess up and we can't we just have to take that loss
1: or even if it Weren't humans messing up like a cooler goes down. It's like technology, something malfunctions. Yeah, technology
5: messes up too. Or
1: which, but, but you could say like technology also helps us to preserve things longer. But if it messes up, it could be a catastrophic right. waste. Mm-hmm. And that's just a mistake. That's just a technological error. It's not compost that we go through with our job on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of sometimes thousands of pounds probably a day if not more.
5: Like a week, yeah, on a weekly basis, probably upwards of like about a thousand pounds. But there was a day after Thanksgiving that we had to throw out 76 pounds of green beans because they just rotted in the cooler, like they didn't get bought.
1: So that's that's the kind of waste that occurs at a co-op, a cooperative, where most of us, it doesn't matter, you know, your political view, um, but a lot of people regardless of whether they think like I do, I think differently than most of the people that work there. I think mm-hmm. you do too. It doesn't matter what our views are on the world, but we're most of us are much more conscious of the kinds of waste.
5: Yeah, more conscious than like the average Joe out on the street.
1: Was that a shot at Joe? No, no, I didn't
5: mean that to be a shot <laughs> at Joe. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> Just your average person, your average citizen. Like Most people don't think about reducing their waste in that way.
1: And that's one tiny little store. And we're talking tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of pounds. And that's with, I guess, that's not even necessarily considering how much people like you and I take home every day. Mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20, 30 pounds. Now you amplify that to grocery stores, like you said, all over the world. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking the United States. And it's an amount of waste that I think on average is estimated like half of all food produced globally is wasted. Mm -hmm. And that's just the food, not even the resources, etc. So... I think that's what we're going to focus on more so tonight on the broadcast. Hope is with me this evening. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. There's a lot more to discuss. Stay with us.
0: This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe
2: FM.
1: For all of you who supported The Secret Teachings in 2020, I want to sincerely say thank you. And to begin 2021, here in the month of Janus, the year of the ox, and the year of revelations, you can still subscribe to our entire show archive while getting access to the montages and all of my digital books, the old and new. You'll also get a free physical copy of one of my books shipped in the United States for free, autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe option at the top of the page. You get the archive, montages, digital books, and a physical book for only $40. You can also use this deal to renew your subscription for another year. Use the website or our PayPal email, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also use this email if you have any questions or to reach out to us for any reason. Your support helps guide the show, the network, and yourself. And we look forward to another year of The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM.
0: the Fringe FM.
3: This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash Teachings.
0: This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
2: The truth is out there,
0: and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The
2: Fringe FM.
5: Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings excellent shows keep listening with your host ryan gable
1: broadcasting somewhere between that which is above and that which is below it's ktlk digital broadcasting the fringe fm
0: this is david ike and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable it's time you got acquainted
5: with the real hard truth
1: Freedom is the privilege to be right. On The Secret Teachings, we use history and anthropology, magic and esotericism, and even a little bit of nutrition and comedy mixed with some great guests to examine our world and beyond. For 10 years, we've used occultism and symbols to bring you a unique and objective look at the past, present, and future. Join us by tuning in Monday through Friday to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, exclusively new right here on The Fringe FM, www.thesecretteachings.info. Gable, and this is the secret teachings on the fringe FM. One thing we don't think a lot about is how political food is. We talk about parapolitics, abnormal politics, and pop conspiracy topics that are kind of their popular culture. They're topical; they relate to things that are going on in the news. We did that last night, and you know, we cover things like that weird New Year's Eve. Seattle Space Needle story, that big laser light show on Tuesday and talk about world events in context with biblical narratives and mythologies. And we think about and talk about all that stuff. And a lot of us can get lost in the minutia and the politics and think that one statement that you know I make or maybe you have a friend who makes a statement that kind of seems like it leans in one political direction. But there's a lot of us who just don't take political sides per se. Um, And sometimes it might seem like we are because one political side is being much more uh, uh, fanatical than another. Uh, But food is extremely political. And one thing I don't understand about the politics of food is how some people project themselves on one part of a political spectrum to be concerned about the environment. And they care about, you know, the whales and the snails, like George Carlin said, and they care about the water They care about, you know, the dirt and the soil and they care about all these things. But then they support like politicians and they support people like Barack Obama or Joe Biden. And, you know, it's one thing to say, well, Donald Trump rolled back all these environmental restrictions of the Obama administration. He was all about big business and big oil and all that, which actually it's contrary to popular belief. Big oil. I don't know if you knew this. Hope is with me this evening, my co-host. Big oil wanted the United States to be in the climate Paris deal because it shut down all of their competition and it allowed them to further their proceedings into natural gas where they were making a majority of their profit as opposed to oil. So although people say Donald Trump was all about big business, he actually fought against big business by pulling the U.S. out of that particular deal. So we think, okay, Republicans are like that. But then when you look at Democrats like Joe Biden, he appointed Tom Vilsack as secretary of agriculture, who's been at the USDA before. It's kind of like Michael Taylor from the FDA and Monsanto. Uh, Vilsack is another Monsanto man. And where's the outrage from the typical outrage mob over another big corporate hack being put in charge of, uh, of an agency that's supposed to regulate unbiasedly uh, food production, food labeling, and, uh, well, of course, the dietary guidelines as well. There's, like, no outrage about that. Nobody cares about that. We just kind of forget about it. Oh, well, just like we forget about how much food goes to waste mm-hmm. and how yeah, that's but, a yeah, huge problem. Yeah,
5: people like to turn a blind eye when it doesn't agree with their narrative. They like to excuse it and kind of, like, dust it under the rug, pretend just it's...
1: sweep it under well, there. No,
5: it's not that big of an issue. Like, all of our food is going to be gem- genetically modified in the next, like, few years on it'll the trajectory the that we're planet. on. But, yeah, it'll... We can then feed more people if we genetically modify like stronger crops. It's like or or we could just improve the food distribution system, change our perspective on food, and just take a personal responsibility onto ourselves. Like don't shut like don't take home more than you can eat in a week. Like don't let food go bad. Use the food that is going bad. Be wise about it. I don't know, just put I think a little bit of a, thought, just a little bit of consciousness into it goes a, a long way.
1: I completely agree with you. And I think there's a fallacy, not in what you said, but in how people might interpret that. Because I'm listening to what you said and I agree and I've heard the argument before. and It's, it's a very valid argument. That, well, if I don't buy as much at the store, they're still producing it and they're still selling it. So it's going to be there. But the reality is if you don't, if a lot of people stop buying as much, there's not as much demand right, and it yeah, won't be yeah, produced. That's
5: the, people come back with that because they don't understand supply and demand. It's the same thing with like meat production and people are like, oh, well, the cow already died. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. well, it died because you're paying for it to die. And they're going to keep raising, it. yeah, they're going to keep killing cows until you stop paying for them to kill cows. And then when they see that it's not profitable to keep killing cows, they'll they'll stop it. You know, they won't raise as many.
1: And it's the same thing with like milk production, right? Yeah. It, in fact, at the moment, the milk industry is having some financial yeah, hardships yeah. Mm-hmm. because of because, that. Because,
5: yeah, plant-based milks are taking over the market. So they're having to dump milk because they, nobody wants to buy it. And that was the whole thing with schools being closed is... Um, School lunches were a big seller of dairy products because it's pushed in schools. I didn't think of that. Mm -hmm. Like schools and workplaces and universities being closed that they don't have a place to sell their product. So it was just going to waste.
1: Here's an interesting point on that. We read this on another show, but this is uh, from the Milk, the National Milk Producers Federation, Jim Mulhern Quote, mammals produce milk, plants don't. Yet the definition of milk is as follows. The white juice of certain plants, i.e. coconut milk. That's a de- that's in mm-hmm. the dictionary. So yeah, um, plants produce milk, not just mammals. And even if, let's say, mammals did only produce milk, humans produce milk, and we're told not to breastfeed. Actually, that's like a, a U.S. government recommendation. Nurses recommend this in major hospitals. So not breastfeed? Yeah, in fact, there was an article I could probably pull it up. It was like...
5: that's horrific
1: world stunned us says don't breastfeed like even backwards ass third world countries were like i mean don't breastfeed right what are you talking about yeah
5: well and that's a huge thing like having a natural birth versus a c-section and then whether you breastfeed or don't breastfeed that is a huge 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 indication of the like your long-term health for your it infant it, it is absolutely like your, is. Your gut health, your microbiome, just your ability, your immune system function. Like, it's huge. And uh, that's, like, a huge thing that I've, I've at least heard from, like, lifestyle medicine doctors who are aware of this. They push the whole food plant-based diet. They're like, you should breastfeed as well because it's extremely important for yeah, your child's microbiome.
1: Not cow's milk. No, no. Definitely not, not cow's, cow's milk.
5: milk. It's human milk, like, man, like human milk or breast milk. And then up until a certain age as long as the kid really wants and then water
1: could be like a little bestiality almost people have like a lactation fetish with women Can you really? drink drink you never heard of that No. lactation fetishes or pregnancy well pregnancy fetishes yeah i've heard of that, on that. Not like a- i mean if you're drinking animal milk that's kind of like a that's like bestiality or something i don't know there's the New York Times headline even. That was back in 2018. I found it: opposition to breastfeeding resolution by U.S. stuns world health officials. Like, even the globalist elites are like, what do you mean don't breastfeed? What are you talking about, don't breastfeed? Of course you breastfeed. It's just, it's stunning. because It's all because of people like Tom Vilsack and Michael Taylor and Joe Biden and these scumbag corporate hacks that everybody thinks. They're so great and wonderful because they have blue ties. It's just, it's, I don't know. I'm upset about it.
5: You can see that. You can see it. I'm
1: <laughs> upset. You're just you're just looking at me, letting me vent.
5: Yeah, sometimes you need to vent.
1: I do need to vent sometimes. So that's that's just the milk. I yeah, don't even know how just, we got on that.
5: That's just the waste of milk. But
1: well, um, well, remember, it also comes from that. Remember?
5: Yeah, complete milking of one or more healthy cows.
1: That's which what the, is the milk, highly debatable. <laughs> the Milk Federation said, yeah, milk only comes from the help the milking of one or more healthy cows. You know, forget the pus and the blood and the feces and right anyway. What do you have for us? We're talking about food waste. We work at a business where there was an accident with the dairy cooler. Everything went down. We got to take some food home, but there was like ten, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 of waste. That's just an accident. Mm-hmm. And the amount of produce that we go through working in our department, getting rid of stuff that's shrink is yeah, like just that was thousands rare, yeah, of pounds. Yeah, like
5: what happened with the dairy cooler was a rare occurrence. But what we end up throwing out on a daily basis, not throwing, we compost at our grocery store, but... Most places they don't compost. It goes right into the garbage, which is a huge proponent for like methane, which is we've talked about that before. That's like the real cause. She doesn't <laughs> like methane. I do not like methane um, and greenhouse gas. So I don't know. But on a day to day basis, we throw out, we compost like hundreds and hundreds of pounds of produce, which is perfectly fine. Like it's per- it's like a pinprick in an apple Right. Slightly bruised apple, a little bit of a soft spot, and an orange, which is fine. Most people overlook, but it's we have this perception that our produce needs to be perfect. And I have one little study here. This is from The Guardian, to the, 2016. And it said that... Um, Half of all U.S. food produce is thrown away, new research suggests, and it says. It's a lot of produce. Americans throw away almost as much food as they eat because of a cult of perfection, deepening hunger and poverty, and inflicting a heavy toll on the environment. Vast quantities of fresh produce th- grown in the U.S. are left out in the field to rot, fed to livestock, or hauled directly from the field to the landfill because of unrealistic and unyielding cosmetic standards. According to official data and interviews with dozens of farmers, packers, truckers, researchers, campaigners, and government officials, so this is like a wide, widely known issue. Is that it's because we have this perception that the food that we eat needs to be perfect, and even as workers, it's the perception that consumers want that. When in actuality, we were taught that. Yeah, we were taught that we're like if there's anything wrong with if there's a tiny scuff in the zucchini, you have to pull it. Which is like the pops and the bell peppers, you have to pull it.
1: Working there is where we work, or it would, it could be anywhere, but it's, for people like us who eat that way, I'm like, yes, a scuff in the zucchini.
5: Right, I'm like, nice. Dinner. Get, get to have some <laughs> zucchini for dinner. I'm
1: shrinking that. Right. But no, I mean, the amount of waste at the tiny little, this is, I think, what needs to be emphasized for the point of the show tonight, is that the place we work is a very small business. Mm-hmm. A very, very small business. And we're just talking about produce being composted and being shrunk. We, t- You and I personally take home probably a hundred, couple hundred pounds a month
5: Oh, easily
2: in yeah. produce. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Not a lot of other people do take advantage of it like we do, but even so, I mean, then you have to consider how much grocery wastes, mm-hmm. how much stuff expires and gets thrown well, out. Well,
5: in like the deli, like we have a um, deli department and they make like pre-made sandwiches, salads. Lots little, of that like, gets meals. wasted. A lot of that gets wasted. It gets shrunk out in the free fridge. Like employees can take it, but a lot of times people don't because... If it's expired, you don't really want to <laughs> take a risk with that sometimes.
1: So what happens is we have all this food waste, a tiny store, and then you start to think about, and I've done this, just I've driven to Wagmans and I've gone in there and seen how, I mean, if you've ever been to a Wagmans, it's like an enormous, monstrous market.
5: Yeah, like their produce section is like the size of our whole store yeah. pretty much. Well,
1: it's like it's bigger than a Walmart and it's all food. Mm-hmm. It's enormous, at least some of the, the Wagmans are. And you think of, like, there's Winn-Dixie, there's Giant Eagle, there's Kroger, there's Publix, there's hundreds of tiny grocery stores, there's thousands of co-ops, and this is just in the United States and Canada and Mexico and Europe. Mm. And you start to put that together, and we're talking about so much food waste, it's unfathomable.
5: Yeah, it's approximately, like, one-third of all food, or what is it, 25% of all food by weight available for consumption in the United States, or about 30% of all available calories are wasted, and it says the average person wastes about a pound of food per day.
1: I mean, we had dinner tonight and I felt like I wasted, I mean, we filled that little plastic container up for compost.
5: Mm-hmm. There's just probably
1: scraps. a pound there of scraps.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, we're conscious of it. Right. So this isn't... Like
5: we at least compost, like most people would just throw it out.
1: You got me doing that. Yeah.
5: And it's incredible the amount, like how little you have to take out your garbage, like how much of your waste is food when you start composting. Like I take my garbage out once a week.
1: Your neighbors bring it back in. And
5: it's like one garbage bag full once a week of stuff that can't be recycled or can't be composted.
1: So that's actually a good point. So you're saying that a lot of the food waste, in in your experience, a lot of the food waste is, or a lot of your garbage is food waste. Waste in general
5: is food waste, yeah.
1: So, So what this implies to me is that when we think about preserving the environment and saving resources and having less if, if I'm not, but if you're concerned about carbon dioxide, if you're worried about those things, like the best way that you can solve those problems is by taking personal responsibility, limiting your waste, using what you have, and informing others to do that so that you, we, we limit the demand for those products and then companies won't produce them anymore. Because it's like Bill Burr said. He's like, it's a, it's an effing business. If you order 52 sandwiches, they're going to give you 52 sandwiches. It's your job not to do it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, h- how am I going to blame the dairy industry when a billion people want to drink milk for breakfast? If you stop doing it, then they have no incentive to produce it. Exactly. Milk, meat, doesn't matter what it is. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's my yeah, point. Yeah, it's
5: supply and demand. That's all B- it is. Basic economics. Like very basic economics, like 101 stuff.
1: So instead of that hope, what happens is we have people that step in and say we need to have government regulations to control what kind of food you can eat, where you can buy it, ration cards, how much you mm-hmm. can have. And that is just an absolute disaster and a dystopian nightmare. Mm-hmm. You, you just read Animal Farm. How was it?
5: I didn't finish Animal Farm. Oh, I thought you finished it. No.
1: So okay. Well, tell me how it is after. Next week. Next week. Next
5: week on the show.
1: Right, what do you have in that article?
5: Yeah, it said um, about 60 million tons of produce worth about $160 billion is wasted. That's just by retailers and consumers every year. So one third of all food stuff.
1: So just people like us, people like you listening, just Mm -hmm. retail, like consumers.
5: Yeah. Like post post supermarket, like the supermarket and then consumers, but that doesn't include, um, the downstream measures. So where it occurs in like farms and distribution and stuff like that. And it says that, um, like Just stuff like being left in the field to rot because they know it won't sell, and they don't want to waste time and labor picking it just to throw it out, so they just leave it in the field, and just what really gets me it's yes, the end product being wasted is so sad, and like we can see it and it's physical, but then you have to consider all of the other resources that went into growing that piece, like of the it. water mm-hmm. it says thirty million acres of cropland this is from um a different article, the staggering environmental footprint of all the food that we just throw in the trash from 2018 Washington post. Um,
1: Jeff Bezos owns that now
5: the Washington post. Mm -hmm. Oh man. So this study lists that or this article states that 30 million acres of cropland about the, about an area about the size of Pennsylvania, 42 trillion gallons of water, nearly 2 billion pounds of fertilizer.
1: And this is just where that, that amount of waste.
5: Yeah, that's cost of the wasted food. That, like, factors into... The
1: yeah, I mean, the, the, the water waste is is just monumental. I don't know if you could even measure that. You can just have a kind of an estimate and then fuel costs. And you think about all that food. Like, I've watched them do, like, farmers with celery where they're chopping the celery. and they mm-hmm. have, It's like, I don't know how much the percentage was they estimated, but at least a third of the celery gets cut off in the fields by the workers. Right. It's, it lays there.
5: And then when we go to prep a case of celery... I end up with like at least 3 heads worth of celery that between like chopping the the ends off and peeling off the like
1: got to make sure they're not brown
5: right the scraped sides like I save that I bring it home for soups and stocks and you make a you make a killer soup one of our coworkers Jack I, he's he's new in the produce department he doesn't know all the tricks of the trade yet he is like hey so I just realized like I bought a head of celery but I get to go like pick out the best one, and I was like, Jack, never buy celery. Like I'm gonna prep a case of celery for you and show you why you never have to buy celery.
1: The last time I prepped a case of celery, I probably shrunk four entire things of celery, just of loose pieces. Exactly. Not to mention that if you're right, if you when you're chopping the ends off of them and you save that in a bag or something, mm-hmm.
5: yeah, the leaves makes a great soup, great stock.
1: And I mean, that's stuff that we can take home because we work there, but that's the kind of waste that if you go to places like Wegmans or Walmart, I don't think, I know Walmart doesn't, I don't know if Wegmans does, and these are just some local stores, they, um, they don't let their employees I, take it yeah, home. Yeah, I
5: doubt that Wegmans allows employees to take stuff home.
1: Wegman, somebody told me who worked at Wegmans, they dump like 10,000 pounds or more of produce every single day yeah. in, into like dumpsters, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't think they even compost.
2: No,
5: I don't think so.
1: I mean, that's, that is that is so much food. I can't even fathom that much food. Thousands and thousands of pounds, millions, millions, tens of millions of pounds around the world every single day. And so then the question is, we'll get into in the next hour, why are we talking about food scarcity? Why are we talking right, about exactly. people not having food to eat?
5: Yeah, all of this food waste and people are still starving. There are still people in poverty without food. They can't. They just don't have access to it. Like food deserts exist. People, they don't have access to fresh produce and stuff like that. And it's just because it's a broken distribution system.
1: And if you choose to live in those places, that's a personal choice as that well, is. right? Yeah. Yeah. But then again, a lot of people that live remotely like that, like out in the middle of nowhere, a lot of them are sustainable themselves and they grow their own food.
2: Yeah, yeah,
5: true. Too, If you live on a farm in like the Dakotas and you can like grow your <laughs> right. own food, you live on a farm, you self-sustain. That is definitely better than having to go to a supermarket to purchase your food in so, terms of like emissions. and.
1: So these articles here, just for reference, you've got half of all U.S. food Produce is thrown away, new research suggests. That's The Guardian. Is that 2016?
2: July 2016.
1: All right. The staggering environmental footprint of all the food that we just throw in the trash. And that's The Washington Post 2018. So if you'd like to look those articles up, I had saved these and just found them in a box Mm -hmm. the other day. And we had been talking about food waste. So I thought they would be. It'd be great to pull out. So, what what's the data though? How much food do we throw out in the United States? What's the average? Do you remember this percentage, just for the U.S. and then for the world? I think for the U.S. it's forty to fifty percent, and I think globally it's thirty percent.
5: Yeah, I think the estimates for the U.S. it was about um, thirty to forty percent. The so low much end they food. estimate twenty five percent, but. Oh, it's probably hope. closer to 30
1: or 40%. Hope that's so much food. I know. We, we could be cooking that and eating that.
5: I know. Maybe maybe that's a good idea for a cafe. Open up a wheel. shrink shrink cafe. Yeah, the shrink cafe. We only cook with the scraps from restaurants. Other restaurants and supermarkets. That's how we get our menu for the day.
1: Okay, so my okay, now I have I have a question again, and I know I've already asked it, but when generally speaking Rhetorically speaking, we have all these political movements, environmental movement, green movements, people concerned about the environment. It's all about some people are anti, but some people are pro genetically modified foods and things that can reduce water and chemical usage. And we're looking to technology to save this, but it's not a technological problem. It's a it's a human problem. It's, a, it's always a responsibility problem. Mm-hmm. It's always a responsibility problem. If we just as individuals took responsibility, we wouldn't have to rely on people like Tom Vilsack or Michael Taylor or Joe Biden or Donald Trump or some politician or some senator or some governor or some hack mm-hmm. who tells you that they care about the environment and you give money to their organization. Mm-hmm. And like these organizations, I forget the one it's called like uh, Americans for Prosperity. It sounds like it's a great organization. It's run by the freaking Koch brothers. It's just unbelievable.
5: Well, and that's something that you mentioned like about personal responsibility, like you and I were talking about and I actually talked to the manager of our department about starting a discounted produce section in our store where we can offer produce at a cheaper price, not that it's like expensive to begin with, but it'll be all of the produce that we shrink, but is still like okay to sell and we're just going to sell it. It's an imperfect produce program. We're just going to sell it at a discounted rate so that it... People will at least buy it. They just don't want to pay full price for it. And if they see that, it, that it's more of an incentive for somebody to buy it, if it's at a cheaper price.
1: We could do what Target does. And we could just like, we could put a red sticker on a product for the exact price that it normally costs. And people would be more likely to buy it mm-hmm. at the same price, just right. because it has a red sticker on it. Exactly. Target does that. I know. Yeah, they're, little, about that. they're little tags. It'll just be like new item, new cost, new, new price but it's literally more expensive than or more more expensive than it was before. I looked up this one article. I I remember reading this a long time ago uh, that the way that they pick bananas, the the amount of bananas Mm -hmm. we sell or any grocery store sells, that's like the top selling item. So we sell a lot of bananas. Grocery stores typically do, but a a large amount of bananas over 50% in some, some places the, the hundreds of tons, are thrown out. Not because they're bad or they even have a bruise, but because they don't have the right angle. What the hell? Right. I mean, what do you mean they don't have the right angle? Peel it, freeze it, make ice cream. <laughs> you know, put it in oatmeal or something.
5: Right, like you, like just eat it. Just put it in your face and eat it. Like I don't, I don't yes. understand why people are so hung up on if their food looks correct. And I, I guess I do understand in a way that people are accustomed to they're just conditioned to believe that a banana should be curved in this way and if it isn't it's weird I don't want to eat it it's the same thing with like if there's like scuffing on squash or whatever or if it has like and it said that in one of these articles it said like a farmer had to throw out like 25,000 pounds of squash because it had um, brown scuffing on it
1: Twenty five thousand pounds. Yeah, because
5: of the weather. Like there was like a high windstorm and it was scratched because of like dirt flying on it.
1: You're you're right about the um the amount of produce we throw out because of the way that it looks or that we don't eat it, even mm-hmm. if it's something that looked good when we bought it and now it doesn't look good or something. Like people that cook and people that bake or bake are aware, I think, that if you have like really brown bananas that's good for like banana bread yeah, or it's sweeter. It's very sweet, making ice cream. But a lot of people, their bananas get, I, I used to do that. I used, my bananas would get really brown and I would think that they were bad and I would throw them out into gets, the garbage can. It gets can. to a
5: certain point where they're like too far gone. They're like fermented a little bit and you're like, eh, that's a little bit too far. But then they co- like compost it.
1: And you, you, you have gotten me, you personally have gotten me to do compost. I've been wanting to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You just had to bring me a bucket. Right. And now I'm doing it. Perfect. It's something I've wanted to do, but I used to be that person who would throw something out At home, if it was looking weird. Mm -hmm. So it's really food vanity, isn't it?
2: It
5: is, yeah. And I know I just mentioned that was like, oh, the distribution and that's a huge issue. But a lot of it, I think the even bigger issue is people's individual, like individual's perception of what they think is good or bad. And a lot of it is just misunderstanding, not being educated adequately and like what is good, what is bad.
1: And the sell dates.
5: Yeah, yeah. Like the difference between sell by... Expires, Best Buy, freeze by type when, date.
1: When we when we come back from break, let's talk about the differences in those things, what mm-hmm. it means. Let's talk a little bit more about food vanity and then we'll talk about some of the I guess we could call them solutions to reduce food waste, which is again a personal responsibility thing that will allow us to dismiss and not have to worry about what a politician does or what some representative of some agency does. It's all something that we can do. Mm-hmm. We're in charge. We can take that responsibility. We control not just a quote-unquote democratic process. We control supply and demand. If we don't demand it, it won't be supplied. That's the bottom line. Exactly. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. My co-host, Hope, is with us this evening. We're talking about food waste and food vanity and how we have a tremendous amount of power in our hands and we do not have to relinquish it to government, government agencies, or some fake pseudo-environmental group that pretends to care about the environment when they're they're the most bourgeois people that have ever opened their mouths about environmental issues. This is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with
2: us.
0: is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, where the normal and paranormal collide. It's The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info
3: do you like the secret teachings and ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult then check out ryan's books available in pdf and softcover with free shipping in the united states For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana
0: the Fringe FM. This is Jess Rogie from the Rogie Report News, and I literally sift through hundreds of articles a week to bring you the best in fringe news. Check out the Rogie Report News here on The Fringe FM. You can't handle the truth!
1: For all of you who supported the secret teachings in 2020, I want to sincerely say thank you. And to begin 2021 here in the month of Janus, Year of the Ox, and The Year of Revelations. You can still subscribe to our entire show archive while getting access to the montages and all of my digital books, the old and new. You'll also get a free physical copy of one of my books shipped in the United States for free, autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe option at the top of the page. You get the archive, montages, digital books, and a physical book For only $40. You can also use this deal to renew your subscription for another year. Use the website or our PayPal email, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also use this email if you have any questions or to reach out to us for any reason. Your support helps guide the show, the network, and yourself. And we look forward to another year of the secret teachings right here on The Fringe FM.
4: I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you! Okay. You are failing us, but the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say, we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this.
0: Yes, we can.
4: Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. A time of tribulation has come. You all guide change is coming, whether you like it or not. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And so it's basically like there's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. And it does leave, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. Is it okay to still have children? Because what's not realistic is Miami
0: basic component of all life had been deemed a threat to Brondo's profit margin. The solution came during the budget crisis of 2330, when the Brondo Corporation simply bought the FDA and the
2: FCC.
4: If you love ice cream, what about trying something new? Well, these maggots might be just what you're looking for.
0: The entire North Polar Ice Cap during some of the summer months, could be completely ice-free
1: within the next five to
0: seven years.
5: Both of these burgers are made from plants.
1: I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. All the stuff in this montage is so relevant still, Al Gore telling you that the ice caps would be melted by a certain year. None of that ever happened. People telling us Miami will be underwater. That never happened. They use this circumstantial evidence where there's a little bit of rain in Tucson, Arizona. Al Gore says that's a rain bomb. That's abnormal. That's not true. It's always a, you know, monsoon season. Just everything taken out of context to push this environmentalist agenda. It's all about the environment protecting the animals and the whales and the snails, like George Carlin said. And, making sure that everything is sustainable for the future. But it's not about sustainability for the future. It's about sustainability for a few people for the future. It's about creating equality for a few people and equal destituteness for the average person, the average person like you, the average person like me. And we're told that we have very limited resources and we have very limited space and we just can't continue the way that we're living or it's all going to fall apart. And although that's kind of true in a way, It's also incredibly misleading because you could take the entire world population and fit them comfortably in the state of Texas, the entire population. Even by 2100, the entire population could be fit comfortably with at least an acre, a square acre, and a garden in most states in the United States. Oh, I don't want to live in Texas. That's not the point. The point is there's plenty of available space But when you have 30 million people living in Wuhan, China, and you have 18, 20, 21 million people living in New York City, and a fraction of that living in the rest of the state of New York, and you have people that congregate, which is a natural human thing, congregate in big mega cities, then yeah, it's going to feel overcrowded. It's going to feel like you're overwhelmed. There are too many people. But the reality is, there's not. Take a cross country trip fly across the country and around the world you'll see the planet is not overpopulated and likewise there are plenty of resources there's a distribution issue part of it I think is intentional part of it is a matter of negligence and not figuring out better ways to do things but a major issue is the waste there's plenty of food we throw out half of all food produced in the United States I think something like that my co-host Hope is with us this evening And what exactly is that number, Hope, for the U.S. food production and for global food production? How much is wasted?
5: Um, For um, food production, like all food production, at least from this study in the Washington Post, um, the staggering environmental footprint of all the food that we just throw in the trash, it says that 25% of all food by weight available for consumption in the United States is thrown out. So that's about 30% of all available calories. Um, Gone. Just gone, just thrown out. And a lot of that is Partially, or a lot of that is um, produce, like fresh fruits and vegetables, mainly because they're perishable or people perceive them as imperfect and and they can't be eaten.
1: That's 25% of all food. Of all food. All food, not just produce. But
5: half of all U.S. food produce is thrown away.
1: And then I pulled up this other story from last year. Twice as much food as previously estimated, according to a study in the journal PLOS-1, about a third of all food all food available for human consumption around the world is wasted, gone.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this um, study from The Guardian, it said globally about one third of food is wasted. So 1.6 billion tons of produce a year with a value of about oh. a trillion dollars.
1: Uh, okay. So a trillion dollars estimated, billions of dollars, you know, individually by country. This is just it's these are just a couple of little reports here or there. I mean the the numbers are probably far higher than this, I'd imagine.
5: Yeah, I'm assuming it's gotten worse just as like population increases and we get more and more sick, like as time goes on, I feel like this is only an exponential problem.
1: So what are the so there are solutions to this and I think the main solution is personal responsibility. And if you take responsibility for what you purchase and what you use and you don't purchase as much and more people don't purchase as much and you take more responsibility there's less incentive for companies to manufacture and produce things it's not even a matter of being anti corporation or anti you know big business it could be small business it's not about it shouldn't be about supporting or not supporting a business it should be about if you're truly concerned about the environment or you're truly concerned about resources it has to start with you turning over your responsibility to some government agency or some politician who just talks about the subject but doesn't actually do anything that's that's relevant or turning your power over to some environmental group or telling people how much you care about the environment but not living that lifestyle, that pisses me off. I don't know about you, Hope, but that pisses me off. People that are like, oh, I care about the environment, but they're like...
5: Just being like all talk.
1: They're all talk. Hypocritical. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and this isn't this isn't about an, a specific individual, but I'm talking about the kinds of people that are like, I care about the environment. I love the environment, but then they like, they're the ones that will drive their oversized US SUV, like half a mile down the road to get fast food. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's vegan fast food. It's vegan. There's no cheese on it. It's like, it's so fraudulent. These people are just hollow shells. I'm not talking about people that, you know, Maybe they feel this way inside, but people that project it outwards, like I really care about the environment, right. but they don't do a damn thing.
5: Exactly. Yeah. It's more about the projection of it that I have an issue with.
1: That's, and that's what I'm saying. It's right. I know you have an SUV. It's not a shot at you, you know, right? no different than when you said the average Joe doesn't know this. It wasn't <laughs> a shot at Joe Roop, right? No. Right. It's not a shot. at. It's just, it's just something that really irritates me because I live that lifestyle as best as I can but I don't come off that way cuz I don't have a blue tie.
5: And before we get into like some of the solutions with this kind of yeah, stuff. I'm sorry. I, no, it's okay. I just wanted to touch this is from the same Guardian article. There was an interesting little paragraph about it. Yeah, go for um, it. This goes into like the economics of food production and how um, a man named Roger Gordon, he founded a Food Cowboy startup, which is a program that is supposed to help like um, rescue and reroute rejected produce so it doesn't go to waste. And it says that he believes that waste is built into the economics of of food production. Fresh produce accounts for 15% of supermarket profits. And then he goes on, there's a quote from him, it says, if you and I reduced fresh produce waste by 50%, like the U.S. Agricultural Secretary Vilsack wants us to do, then supermarkets would go from a 1.5% profit margin to a 0.7% profit margin. And if we were to lose 50% of consumer waste, then we would lose about $250 billion in economic activity that would go away. So,
2: So with, with this food,
5: yeah, this food waste is just a way to exchange more money.
1: So, then here's a question for people that hate capitalism, why are they not talking about food waste? They hate big corporations. They hate big businesses, but they'll support Joe Biden because he's a Democrat and he installs people like Velsack into the government, into the USDA, who supports big agriculture, supports big business. And they Mm -hmm. say nothing about that. But when it comes to food production and food waste and resources, they say very little about this because it's a personal thing, it seems like, Mm -hmm. when at the very core of this is the faulty component of capitalism. Right. Am I just the only person that sees that?
5: I think people just are naive to it. They don't know. They haven't really thought about it. They aren't aware enough in their like daily life to even consider something like this.
1: True. Yes.
5: And also, I think it if it benefits somebody, just the average
1: Joe.
5: (laughs) Sorry, Joe. It was not a shot.
1: It wasn't a shot, Joe. She was just talking.
5: But I think it's just interesting looking at this information being presented and people just choosing to ignore it people especially if it benefits them if it makes their life easier like they don't have to sort through some like bad looking produce or it looks good on the shelf or the display looks better or bigger or whatever like it's more likely to sell it's just it's all money it's all just like greed i feel like which is why people don't that's a big thing about like capitalism like it's capitalistic greed But if it benefits you, you're not going to do anything to change it. If it makes it easier for you, if it's more convenient for you, you're less likely to care about it or think it as an issue.
1: I agree with you. I think the terminology I would use is predatory capitalism. And I think the predatory thing is the companies and the groups and the people that what they're preying on are individuals, whether they care about the environment or not. They're individuals that are concerned with image and that image of self is translated to the food that they consume. So they're exactly. concerned with, well, this banana doesn't look the right way, so we have to remove that because the mm-hmm. people that are concerned with image aren't going to purchase it.
5: Well, and that's a big thing with the whole, like, straw debacle. And it's like, oh, we can't have plastic straws, but then we, people didn't like the paper straws, so then... Because
1: they sp- dissolved.
5: and <laughs> They dissolved, and then Starbucks came out with the new cup, or they, like...
1: I didn't know this. What is it? I have a new. It's cup. like
5: the new. It's the new like lids for the cups that you can like drink out of. They're like,
1: oh never, yeah, like oh. That's that
5: kind of thing. It's like it's still plastic. It's that Cl- arguably more plastic. Like
1: Clyde Lewis talked about that. He in Portland. Did he? He, he said they. They he looked it up and it is. It's more plastic exactly. for the lid yeah. than the straw.
5: Yeah, it's just stuff like that. It's like oh, it's this big trend that you think you're doing something <laughs> altruistic or good for your the environment by not getting a straw, but you're still using a plastic cup with a plastic lid that is arguably worse for the environment. So it's just flaws in logic.
1: Yeah, and in fact, I I, I pulled this out before the show in case we got into it, uh, but I've, this is a study done in Munich, Germany, uh, by a think tank group, just an example. Electric vehicles in Germany emit more carbon dioxide than diesel vehicles. And you read through that, and you find about... Um, alternatives to gas and fuel, uh, uh, gas-fueled vehicles, and you find that electric cars are more devastating to the environment, they emit more pollution, and when they extract the raw materials like lithium and cobalt and manganese and things like that, it has a detrimental impact on not only the environment as, as a perception, but it has... A, a physical scarring effect on the environment because they have to blow massive amounts of earth apart to acquire their ma- materials, right. and then the batteries are so freaking toxic. You have to have the EPA get rid of them. That's not in more environmentally sound. Electric cars are a joke. <laughs> gas cars are better. But here's the thing: Was your
5: Prius electric? I though? did have
1: a Prius. It was it was a hybrid. Oh, okay. So electric, battery and gas? Yeah. It sh- <laughs> it shuts off when you, you hit the brake. You ran out
5: of gas. It did yeah get that little like rumble when you start it back up
1: Mm -hmm. you can start it with the battery and then it's fuel and then like fuel injection when you accelerate and you can coast I was pulling 60 to 80 miles per gallon people made fun of me I was like listen I'm getting 80 miles a gallon I don't care what you say about me (laughs) (laughs) so I don't know there's a lot that goes into this and a, 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 a lot of what's in my view, a lot of what the issue is, is it's all perception. It's our Mm -hmm. perception of the food, which is why we don't buy it and why companies don't sell it because it has a brown mark on it or a scuff.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And it's our perception of environmentalism. When you support, you know, a politician because they're a Democrat, in this particular case, Joe Biden and Tom Vilsack and others, I'm not saying Democrats aren't aware of that. I'm saying when you support that, and yet you're like anti-capitalism, but you're not concerned about food waste. And the primary reason there's a lot of food waste is because of capitalism right it's just hypocritical and it's it's ignorance is what it is mm-hmm. and it's devastating to economies it's devastating to human health animals plants the ecosystem right, and i think
5: the worst thing is you can sit down and present all this information to somebody and they just choose to ignore it they're just yeah like, yeah i don't really want to read it or like ah, like that's funny like thanks for showing me but they don't actually like take it and change their ways they don't change their lifestyle to fit their views
1: what did that person tell you about when you mentioned Tom Vilsack and how Joe Biden had appointed him to the USDA again and they were like, well, Donald Trump.
5: Yeah. yeah. I like brought up, I made the statement. I was like, Oh, Biden appointed Vilsack as head of the USDA again. And he was under the Obama administration and they immediately countered with, well, Trump rolled back like 95 environmental programs and, Blah blah blah, and we were talking about Driscoll berries. That's that's why this conversation started. Driscoll we were berries, talking about okay. how bad Driscoll is as a company and how people are misled. People are like, "Oh, I thought Driscoll berries were the good ones." Like, I always buy Driscoll berries when they're on the shelf. But if you like actually knew, you'd be like, "No, Driscoll's a horrendous company. So is Dole. Like,
1: Dole is horrible. Yeah, Chiquita, Dole, yeah. United Fruit, horrible. horrible,
5: horrible. And then that also goes into a human rights issue. It's exploitation of labor, laborers."
1: So you t- What did you tell me the, the day I was like, I do not buy dull bananas. You're like, I so respect you for that. <laughs>
5: I, know, I was like, thank you. I was like, I love that.
1: <laughs> no way I'm buying dull bananas. But that is, um, I think it would be also interesting quickly to share the story of uh, you. You set me up. I think you set me up. You know the story.
5: Yeah, I definitely did set you up a little bit for that. I was breaking down cardboard and you and I had had this conversation before about like card- or like paper versus plastic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
5: We've had the conversation of like paper versus plastic before and I was breaking down um, cardboard boxes and the same person who made the comment about Trump rolling back um, all of the like environmental programs had walked in and I was like, so Ryan, like tell me again how you feel about cardboard.
1: <laughs> she admitted it on a show she set me up. She set me up. Yeah, you were like how do you feel about plastic? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great example. So what did I say? I was I was I tried to explain it like listen, plastic helps preserve food. That doesn't mean I love mm-hmm. plastic, but I was like plastic helps preserves food. I said plastic it costs less energy to produce right, it.
5: Right, like shipping it, it weighs less.
1: It weighs less. It's about um Paper is ten times heavier. It costs up to four or more times the amount of energy to yeah, in produce terms it. Of
5: resources to production. Like I think that if you're looking at it as like a like before the final product, mm-hmm. I think that plastic is more ideal as opposed to paper. But in terms of like end product pollution, like physical garbage just out on the street, I think that paper is a better choice. And at the end of the day, like neither neither use a recycled like we will put out the boxes for the um
1: like customers yeah yeah, work? yeah like yeah. the
5: boxes that um our produce gets shipped in we'll like put them out by the registers and people want to take that cardboard box instead of a paper bag but you could also just bring your own bag
1: you could bring your own bag yeah, and I,
5: that I, solves the debate
1: it solves the debate and that's not acceptable to some people to say that because when i made the comments about there being less energy used and less resources used for plastic, and I and the thing is, I agree with you, Hope. I agree that and at the end we see more plastic. I do. I disagree on one thing: paper can be degradable, but for it to be as quickly biodegradable, they have to spray it with chemicals. So then you have more chemicals leaking into okay. the environment, and they've also found ways without chemicals to make plastic more biodegradable. So aren't
5: there like some mushrooms that eat plastic? Is that
1: I don't know. Are there?
5: May have to look into that.
1: You're the you're a mushroom per. I got a mushroom book, so maybe we can look in that mushroom Perhaps book.
5: I've like heard about that something they were like developing a, a
1: mushroom a to mushroom. eat the plastic. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know I don't about mushrooms that problem. eat plastic. There's like somebody that takes psychedelics listening right now and they're like
5: <laughs> ah. <laughs> They're
1: going to send me an email.
5: But, but um back to the conversation that we were having about paper versus plastic. This person immediately jumped and they were like, "Oh, so you don't care about like microplastics?" In our water, in did, our Did food. I say that? And like, No, I didn't say that. I'm just saying this is, I'm just trying to have a conversation. I'm just saying she, these are the things that I know. Like.
1: She came, this is a classic example. She came back in after you left and she's like, I just have an issue with these things and why you think that or something. And I said, well, I said, the bottom line is um, I bring my backpack everywhere or I have like bags that I didn't buy they're just bags I have around the house. I said, so I think plastic is better up front. I think paper's horrendous. And I think cotton bags are even worse when you look at the environmental impact of cotton production and chemicals. And mm-hmm. they're, they're worse than plastic and paper, I think, from a, from a statistical standpoint. But I said, the bottom line is, how about you just don't use any of them? Right. And it's like, and then I'm thinking, and this is, it's like, okay, this person comes to work with Starbucks and Dunkin' Donut plastic cups every day. You do not tell me that I'm not concerned about microplastics, okay? Right. I do not bring Starbucks to work every day. That's it.
5: <laughs> All right. We digress. It's a little. I'm digressing, <laughs>
1: but but that's but it's that's the that is the microcosm of the macrocosm of mm-hmm. people that take a political standpoint on things that should not be political. It's just like, as far as I'm concerned, it's a human issue. Mm-hmm. It's like, why don't we do things? It doesn't have to be about paper or plastic. It doesn't have to be about cotton reusable bags. It doesn't have to be about Democrat and Republican. It doesn't have to be about being pro or anti something. It's like, what makes the most sense? Bring your own bag. Exactly. What makes the most sense? Try to save the food. Don't buy as much. Mm -hmm. Problem solved. You don't have to vote for somebody who's campaigning. You know, I don't have to debate and argue with somebody over some political point of view. Personal responsibility.
2: Yeah.
5: It's silly, it's putty, and this can get into a whole other thing and how these issues are manufactured as a way to divide us as a people and distract us from bigger things going on. But
1: You do have a calming energy because I'm, I'm, you calm me down when you look at me. <laughs> you see how heated I get about this. I do. I'm very heated because it's ridiculous. Who brings Starbucks and then tells me I don't like microplastics? I don't like microplastics. For the, for the record. I should have been like... What are you talking about? Those are great for the environment. I love (laughs) microplastics.
5: Love it. I want my body to be 10% plastic in the next three years. It's going to be great.
1: It is. This is the year of the metal ox. So it's probably going to be more machine like this year with transhumanism, but
5: AI and robots and stuff.
1: Let's do this. Let's skip the break. We've got like 25 minutes left and I'm going to let you take the floor. Where would you like to go with this? Solutions? What would you like to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I
5: want to offer some solutions to people because I think that's important to be like instead of just being like oh there's this huge issue. By we should at least offer people like oh this is ways that you can improve upon things, like ways that you can implement change your lifestyle and to help reduce your food waste. So
1: Do you want the control of the magic sure. mouse?
5: So this we're just on the EPA website, United States Environmental Protection Agency. And we were talking before the show. This is what these agencies should be doing. Yes. Not, not regulating which are, which. not toxic chemical you can constitutes as food, what is generally recognized as safe. This is stuff that you should be, they should be using. This is what their funding should be used for.
1: And, and the Environmental Protection Agency has <laughs> attempted to regulate dust from small farms. So if small farmers kick up too much dust, they can be fined and shut down. That's that's the influence. But no, I'm saying that it's specifically small farms. So big corporations um, can do it.
2: uh So
1: the big corporations manipulate and work through the EPA to shut down their competition.
5: Gotcha.
1: That's not what the EPA is there for. The EPA is here for things like this. How do you reduce food waste to show you how to take more responsibility to inform the public? And it's not every government website like this isn't like a conspiracy that we have to find. Oh, we shouldn't trust the EPA. It's the government website. Well, I don't know. The tips that you're going to go through seem pretty standard to me. They don't seem like right. the Illuminati yeah, like, wrote yeah, them.
5: Yeah, even if you don't necessarily like trust the government, you can't deny that the tips that we're going to read off are pretty pretty basic. They're pretty non-disputable. But the, I just want to preface with it says, according to the EPA, um, about 68 of in 2018, about 68% of the wasted food we generated or about 42.8 million tons, it ended up in landfills or combustion facilities, so incinerators. Just
1: It goes just, up, it makes stars. Exactly. Smoke.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know
1: enough about stars to combat that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like,
5: so this is just like some of the benefits of reducing food waste is that it saves money. If you are buying less food, you're not spending as much money on food. And if you're eating the food that you have, you're not throwing money out.
1: So the Illuminati wrote that on the EPA's website,
5: right? I know, very controversial.
1: Saves money. <laughs>
5: um, the second thing that they list is that it reduces methane emissions because when um, you throw food waste out in like garbage bags, it's trapped in there, and f- like foods produce methane, like fruits do when they rot, they oxidize, they produce methane, and that's trapped. In the plastic bag that, like, expedites it.
1: And on that note, I, I don't mean to interrupt you okay. again, but on that note, in terms of paper bags and things like that, paper, even if it seems like a better option, when paper gets put into a landfill like that and it doesn't have it's air exposure, thing. it paper won't decompose. Mm-hmm. So it just sits there and it takes up additional space in the landfill when it's That's covered right. up. That was dangerous. I almost spilled my tea on my computer. <laughs> I
5: thought you did for a second. No. Go ahead. Um, the So a good way to do that would be um, composting. So if you compost, then it can be um, regenerated, and then you can use it to fertilize your soil.
1: It's pretty easy to like compost, that. right?
5: Mm-hmm. And a lot of cities, I know, like this is how we do our composting um, where we live. There's a community composting um, program where they'll take your bucket, and then um, they make soil, like potting soil, and you can actually um, get a discounted Oh, right really? Now. Yeah.
1: That's cool. I didn't know they yeah, did that. that.
5: in the spring they have um, soil that is made from like your food scraps, which is pretty cool. So,
1: so, okay, then, just so I can clarify for people listening to what you're saying, and this is from the EPA's website as a good example, it's not that you have to do all these things. It's just that if you're going to try to reduce waste, you can save money. You don't have to go compost to save the environment immediately and change your whole life, but one thing you can do is stop buying so much food and utilize the food that you have.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, not letting it go to waste, just sitting in the back of your fridge. Like, I know people, maybe not most people, but a lot of people have that, like, really slimy bag of spinach in the back of their fridge or, like, really wilty celery or, like, bad herbs, like, fresh herbs, if you bought fresh herbs for one recipe and then... um,
1: Which is another thing, like, change the recipe. Yeah,
5: yeah, alter the recipe for what you have. Like, you don't need to go out and buy, like an entire huge thing of parsley. If you know you're not going to buy a whole thing of parsley, like substitute a dried herb, you know, it's a lot cheaper. You can buy them in bulk for like pennies.
1: I mean, the bottom line here is it's saving you money. Exactly. Who's not trying to save money. Right.
5: And then another thing that they list for a benefit of reducing food waste would be that it conserves energy and resources. So what we were saying with, um, all the resources that go into producing that food. And if it's just going to waste in your fridge, it's a waste of the resources and energy and water put into that.
1: Not just the banana, not just the apple.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's all the stuff that went into getting that apple to your fridge to rot. Right.
5: And then it can support your community as well. So if you buy like local food, um, local seasonal farmers markets type of thing, and then, what the bullet list is supports your community community by providing donated untouched foods that would have otherwise gone to waste to those who may not have a steady food supply, which is something that I do because we take so much produce home, like shrink produce. I will like build boxes for my friends who claim that eating healthy is too expensive. Vegetables are too expensive. So I will literally build her boxes of food and bring it to her. What is there
1: like a textbook or something? These people get these lines (laughs) from, because I've heard that line before eating healthy is too expensive.
5: Many times people have, Said that to me.
1: How, how is it? E- how is it expensive? I, like I did. I never knew how much a beer cost until one time, I had happened to ask someone who was going out drinking. I was like, "How much do you spend on alcohol?" They're like five, six dollars a glass. How many did you have? I think it was six, six, seven six, beers. Seven. Yeah, it's, it's like,
5: like you can blow what? seventy dollars a night drinking very easily. What are you? What are you yeah.
1: talking about? Seventy dollars? That's like a. Well, for me, I buy so many snacks. It's like three or four days of snacks, but. People do that yeah. like every night. I know. $70, $80, $100 mm-hmm. on alcohol. That's up. Yeah.
5: Um, so back to this food waste. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways that you can actually implement these, not just the benefits. So um, planning is a huge thing. And yes, it does take effort. And that's why a lot of people don't want to do it. It's because you actually have to think about it, plan ahead, not just live in the immediate present.
1: Not just get Grubhub.
5: Exactly. Yeah. Um, like Keep a running list of meals that you want. Meal plan um make or like choose recipes that use the same ingredients throughout the week so then if you did buy a whole bunch of parsley or like a bunch of spinach or something then use that throughout different recipes right i mean of a week
1: i guess if you had a bag of spinach let's say and you used it for whatever the product was that you made maybe made a lasagna or something you had a little bit of spinach left over mm-hmm. Put you, it,
5: yeah, put it in a smoothie the next day or something, or exactly. mix it in with a salad. Like or that type Or
1: of when thing. you put the lasagna on the plate, take a little bit of spinach and sprinkle it yeah, on top—a little,
5: a little garnish. A little garnish. Um, make your shopping list based on how many meals you eat at home, um, eating out. I personally don't eat out very often. I love. We cook. went out
1: one time in like four months, haven't we?
5: <laughs> a single time, but it was worth it. And I w-
1: definitely worth it.
5: We won't go. Well, you keep she wanting won't to let go, me go I back. <laughs> because they're only doing dine at, like takeout right now. They're not doing dine in, and I don't want to have to use all of the containers,
1: which is a great example. But it's also because we'd buy everything on the menu exactly because they're tulpas tapas. And yeah, tulpas is the Tibetan thought form. They're tapas.
5: Yes, and I don't want to take home 10 takeaway containers. I think, I think so. it's like 14
1: <laughs> for everything on the menu. Yeah, we'd have 14 takeaway containers. And even even people that save those, like a lot of people don't reuse them. You reuse everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got like plastic containers that'll like for almonds, but it's got sunflower seeds in it in your freezer yeah, or labels something. labels don't matter. And you labels don't what's matter. In
5: there.
1: It's fine. <laughs> it's a little grimy sometimes, but it's fine, right? <laughs>
5: it's fine. I'm the only one who sees it. Um, so plan your meals, um, include quantities on your shopping list so you don't buy a huge amount of things if it's like you only need like one apple because you're cooking like an apple slaw or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. So don't then, buy a bag. Yeah. Don't buy an entire bag. Just like be smart about that. Um, yeah. Look in your fridge before you go shopping just so you know what you have that can help you inspire or give you inspiration for some recipes that you could make throughout the week if you know you have things to use up and you're like oh i could make um like a sauce with this i just need like a little bit i need like an onion or something like i already have tomatoes and garlic and pasta like
1: we did that we made like salsa right it was so simple we chopped up some chunky tomatoes
5: mm-hmm. yeah we made a salsa because we had a surplus of tomatoes and we just cut i mean it was more like a pico
1: it was more of like a pico but we had like it was still good Tomatoes. What did we put? Onions in it.
5: Yeah, some red onions, some cilantro, little lime. lime.
1: Juice. I was Adobo. surprised. I thought the tomatoes had to be blended or cut real thin. And you're like, no, the chunky's fine.
5: Yeah, like the if you add a little bit of salt, the salt pulls the water out of it, so it makes it. Like
1: a, so good like salsa. it was so good it was just nothing it was just a few little tiny pieces of produce mm-hmm. made an awesome salt you spend like six dollars on a salsa at the store right
5: like a jar of salsa which has so much sodium in it a lot Sugar. of times like f- random flavors and <laughs> random miscellaneous flavor. things
1: salsa flavor right <laughs> i've seen stuff like that before I'm
5: sure i'm sure you have and then um another thing uh for planning um buying in bulk is huge That's like a huge tip if you can go to like a co-op or a health food store. And it's unfortunate nowadays with everything, the COVID situation going on, that they've taken away bulk sections at a lot of stores. Like we were in Wegmans today and they didn't have a bulk section for like nuts and stuff. Like we were looking for walnuts and everything is in like a plastic container. So that's, that's a little sad. I'd say,
1: yeah, they rip you off. Mm -hmm. Definitely. See how I use the word rip instead of the word that you don't like?
5: Oh, thank you. I'm thinking
1: about you. Thank you. They rip people off. (laughs) Uh, Whole Foods rips people off. Oh, as soon as Amazon bought them and Jeff Bezos got his foot in the door, that company just tanked, tanked. All the spices, the spices went up in price, and then you got less of them for the same price that you would get before. They fraudulently replaced all the conventional signs with green organic signs. Yeah, you mentioned that everything looks organic, but now everything is conventional right trash jeff bezos can suck my d <laughs> i hate jeff bezos's business
5: boycott whole foods
1: yeah f whole foods
5: <laughs> um so another thing that goes into reducing your <laughs> a little segue away from that you did think i'm just going to continue reading just, my way plow through it just, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just going to keep trucking over here um storing your food is a huge thing because that's where a lot of food goes bad in the fridge
1: now let me say you are very good at this I have to give you props like the way that you store your food and you have things that are frozen and you reuse containers. You're very good at that. That's Thank one you. thing. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. That's one thing that I've been trying to get better at. And it's like inspirational for me. That's why I'm composting now.
5: Mm-hmm. We still got to work on packaging, buying some bare produce, but Shut up. I'll, it's okay. I'll get, I'll get there. Your time. I'll
1: get there. Yeah.
5: Um, yeah. Fine. So figuring, learning how to um store like what you can and can't store in the fridge. So. A lot of fruit you can store in the fridge, but like things like bananas, obviously you can't. Freeze um, those things. Onions you shouldn't keep in the fridge. Potatoes you shouldn't keep in the fridge, I believe. So
1: you're telling me that 10 pound bag of shrink <laughs> potatoes I have in there should be pulled think, out?
5: Yeah, I don't think it should be kept in the fridge. Um, well,
1: it actually, it's something about the sugars or something, it actually increases the sugar the if you keep shipping. them in, yeah, if you keep them in the, in the fridge. Perhaps. But then they don't brown as easy or they don't they green don't sprout, as easy. So,
5: yeah, you got to... Get to balance it out. It out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you get some potatoes that are on the edge of going bad, then put them in the mm-hmm. fridge. I mean, the thing is, and I would really sincerely like to let you finish this and not say anything. I'm just <laughs> really bad about this. But when you're thinking this way, you don't have to have the EPA tell you these things or the FDA or the USDA. You don't have to get, like, advice from somebody. It's a state of mind. It is, yeah. All this is common sense. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all that I would like to inject.
5: Right, and a lot of these things, like... I didn't look on the EPA website when I started doing this. You
1: did. You told me all this before the show.
5: Right. I know we were going through and I was like, oh, that's funny that they mentioned like all these things that I had just mentioned. (laughs) So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, But being able to store your food properly is really important. So if you have, if you go to the farmer's market and it's like a really good deal on peaches, let's say it's in the summer. Peaches are super seasonal. Love a peach. Only in the summer. Um, fall time. I'd love some stone fruit too. I've been really craving a peach. I got burnt out from them over the summer. I ate way too many, but I've been now I'm now I'm sick of apples and pears.
1: <laughs> You're on the red delicious though.
5: I am on the red delicious grind. I
1: got you moment. back on the red mm-hmm. delicious. I got burned on a pomelo once. I'm still upset about it. it was of course at Whole Foods.
5: Bitter about the pomelo. Ninety
1: <laughs> percent of it was white. It was like a tiny little orange or little green pouch in the middle of They're juice. Expensive too. Yeah, there's like $9 for that thing. They're
2: expensive.
5: Um, so like back to my peaches thing. If you buy a bunch of them, you can freeze them. That's in like mangoes as well if there's like a deal on mangoes. And that's another thing too is to save money. Um, at least we list this in our stores. We have like weekly specials. Um, just being aware of that, and if it's, like, a really good deal on, like, berries or something, if it's, like, $4 for a pint of organic blueberries, which is a pretty good price, cause normally they're, what, like, $6 six or something?
1: Yeah, they can be very expensive. But you can
5: buy a bunch of them and then just freeze them in the last, and then it may seem like an it's an investment. You kind of got to think of that as. So just things like that, like being able to freeze, preserve, canning things, um... Another thing that they mention is that um, knowing like what to store near each other. So
1: that's a great piece of advice. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, um, it says that um, storing bananas, apples, and tomatoes by themselves because they um, give off natural gases that help them ripen or that make things ripen faster. Which is another trick too. If you want your bananas to ripen faster, put them in a brown paper bag with an apple. Because the apple will give off,
1: or an avocado, right? If you want mm-hmm. it to ripen, you yeah. put it in with the bananas. Yep.
5: So that's. I told someone a
1: some somebody that one time at the store. they were like, "Are you serious? It's not a joke." I said, "No, no, I'm serious." They're like, "No, you're messing with me." Like, mm-hmm. nope, just put it in the bag. It's like magic.
2: Hmm.
5: Yeah. Obviously, keeping like um things like um like apples, peaches, things that you want to keep longer, things will keep longer in the fridge. So. That's I feel like that's a pretty common sense one.
1: Unless you don't have a fridge.
5: Unless you don't have a fridge, you. <laughs> I current my fridge has been broken for quite a while, so I've been keeping my food on my back porch.
1: You're going like 18th century.
5: It's nice. I like it. <laughs> it
1: froze last. I know. About, I <laughs> it know. Froze.
5: My my greens got a little. They were a little crispy this morning. They were a little chilly.
1: All right. What else do we have? This is all still from the EPA website. What else mm-hmm. do we
5: have? Um. So meal prepping people. I feel like people have mixed opinions on meal prepping. It seems pretentious or I don't have time to meal prep or it's too much to think about. Like, I don't know what I'm going to want to eat during the week. Like, some people just don't think like that. It
1: does have that stigma.
5: It does. Like there There is a stigma about meal prepping, for sure.
1: Pretentious or something mm-hmm. like a blonde soccer mom.
5: But, yeah, like, as soon as you get home from shopping – like prep what you have, like wash, dry, chop, dice, slice all your food and then keep it in clear containers so that you can see it because that's a huge thing is like product placement in your fridge, like put things that are going to go bad at eye level so that you're more likely to eat them and keeping things in clear containers so you know what they are and if you see what it is, you're more likely to eat it. Um, yeah, it says befriend your freezer and visit it often. So what I was saying, um, the, yeah, chop up fruit. If you get like a large amount of something that is seasonal, chop it up, freeze it. Um, And another thing that people don't, that they kind of like brush it off is that it saves time. It really does save time. Like if you prep like a big container of salad, if you cut greens, all the vegetables and like just have a base and then wait to add your dressing and toppings like later, that saves so much time than having to chop all of that. Over the every single day,
1: isn't that kind of like with TV dinners, and it's the idea that you can save time and spend more time with your family, but it also removes people from the kitchen where it should be a family thing with mm-hmm. your kids or husband or wife or friends yeah, or whoever. Yeah,
5: we've yeah we've talked about that on another show. I'm pretty sure like cooking is a huge social component. Like there's a huge family component to cooking a meal.
1: It's brought us together. Yeah, deeply. We, yeah, yeah, we food. cook
5: we cook dinner together every night, and it's great. And I cherish that time that we share together. Me too. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world.
1: Me either. And it's nice now that you've taken over in a, a way. Now I just stand back and you you cook. <laughs> I do. You are taken over,
5: have, which is great. I have quite taken over the kitchen.
1: But this is the first time anybody was ever taken over the kitchen. I'm used to cooking every night.
5: I know. And now I'm, you do well, the cooking. I'm happy that you can trust me with that because you definitely are a little, a little bit more particular in what you eat.
1: I am. Especially sugar. I do not. Especially. Eat.
5: I know. I know.
1: I've got a very very strong opposition to processed sugar. (laughs) You did get me on those damn chocolate who bars though.
5: I know, I know, I have gotten you hooked on them. They're really good. The vanilla crunch who bar H U, um, good company. They have a restaurant that is uh, like whole food plant based, is paleo inspired. It's nice in New York City, but they make the best chocolate bars, and they were on sale at one of our our competing local grocery natural grocers. Have you talked about that one on Laurie's? the show? Yeah, have you yeah. talked about Lori's? Do your listeners I've know talked about Lori's they,
1: they I think they knew about Lori's. Maybe some of you knew about Lori's because I almost got arrested at Lori's. Yeah,
5: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Multiple times. So I get sent in to go to Lori's and these chocolate bars were on sale for like it's half so price cool. the other day. So I bought a bunch of them and the vanilla crunch one, it tastes like a crackle bar. It has like puffed quinoa in it and it is delicious. I, but, but I got you hooked on it.
1: You got me. You I got apologize. me into the who. I'm trying to get you away from the sugar. It's not
2: that's, working. It's
1: not working very well. I no. got to figure something out.
2: Um,
1: but anyway, that's from the that's from the EPA's website. Is there anything else uh, on their website that's a recommendation? Again, EPA, FDA, USDA. I don't necessarily trust government agencies or any kind of corporation or any kind of authoritative source of information. I like to double check it for myself, no matter where it's from. Doesn't mean I believe the exact opposite, and therefore it doesn't mean that I think the EPA's website was written by the Illuminati or some shadow cabal, and that it tells me on their website I can save money by not buying as much food and using the food I have. That's not a conspiracy. That's common sense. Right.
5: Right. It, there's no way that this could be some like underlying. Oh, they're out to get me. They're really trying to get me on this one. It's like no. Like they're really just trying to like to help you save money. And
1: Someone like you working at the uh, the EPA wrote this.
5: Right. I'm like, I just want these people to take care of themselves, please.
1: Now, you might have been annexed in a cubicle at the EPA and yes. nobody else talks to exactly. you, but you're still employed. Right. That's what matters.
5: The only, the sole morale of the company. <laughs> you're the one
1: person there. Yeah. Of um, the company, the agency, whatever. Go ahead.
5: But a lot of these other things that they list, we've kind of touched on. Um, shop in your refrigerator first. Know what you have. Eat what you have before you go shopping. Um, if you have produce that's going bad, uh, cook it. If you have like wilty lettuce, just cook it. Soups, casseroles, stir fries, smoothies, things like that. Um, learning what parts of the food you can eat that you wouldn't normally eat. So this one it, it mentions um that's
1: something meat that's greens. Yeah, a lot yeah. of I was the same way. I didn't eat a lot of that stuff. Yeah. The like, greens from carrots. Well, the,
5: the skins of the squash. You don't eat squash skins. Then I made you try some the, the other day. The first time you <laughs>
1: ate a squash skin, I was like, what is this girl doing? Why are you eating the they're skin? They're good.
5: They're not, they're like, they're soft. They're not, they're bad. Now. I don't know. Whatever. Um, you also but put, yeah.
1: hold on. What? You put ketchup on it. I did not like that.
5: Well, you don't have to eat that, though. I don't. Whatever. Um,
1: Makes me question your judgment of the skin.
5: <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, using parts of the food that you wouldn't normally, or that you would normally throw out, so stale bread, using that to make croutons, the tops of the onions, carrot peels, tops of celery, using that to make a stock. That's a huge thing. Um,
1: what are you growing in your kitchen right now?
5: I'm actually growing um, scallions. I. If you um, save the little so green onions, I don't know if anybody. I'm sure people know what that looks like, but if you save the bottoms with the roots and put them in just a cup of water and keep it on your windowsill, not even mine's just like in my kitchen. It doesn't have very much light, but um, change the water every few days and they'll start to grow. So I'm growing scallions. They are. Right they now. are growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's fun. It's, like, cool to get to learn. And, like, that's a whole other thing, like, fermentation at home. Like, I've made sauerkraut at my house before, and that was, like, a really cool process to see all the, like, bubbles form and makes- getting to know your food and, like, touch your food. And I don't know. That, 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 that's just something that I really appreciate. I know a lot of people, like, don't think of that. But I don't know. I think it's fun to, like, get to know the food and put your, like, heart and soul into it a little bit.
1: I agree with you, and I and, and I want to summarize on that, but before I do, is there anything else you'd like to share from from the tip list?
5: Um, the tip list we kind of talked about, but knowing the difference between um, sell by, use by, best by, and expiration dates, and knowing what you can kind of get away with when it comes to how firm the expiration date is.
1: Right, and how what is the difference quickly between yeah, sell so, and use?
5: Um, sell by store has to sell it by that date. Use by, um, you should use it buy like you should consume it best before yeah best before and then best buy um best buy isn't necessarily an expiration date um it's like a loose kind of thing it's like a it may not be as good after this date but it's not going to kill you kind of thing (laughs) like you can still now
1: now the conspiracy comes in because here's my thought companies use that to trick consumers into buying something before it goes bad to convince them or that it goes bad before it really does to convince them to buy more of it that's fair after the that's fact it,
5: yeah
1: found a conspiracy
5: <laughs> <laughs> confirmed epa is a conspiracy
1: thing. you knew i would find it in there of course but uh, people call it a conspiracy but it's not a conspiracy it's like that's business that's how yeah. business is conducted
5: yeah that's that's economics that's business like that's just People will buy more product if they think they have to buy more product, even if they don't.
1: Sorry, I clapped in your face. I it's just
5: okay. It's okay. At least you didn't spit in my face.
1: Have someone spit? In, like has someone spit insult. in your face?
5: No, but I oh. know of a situation where somebody that I used to be with spit in somebody that he used to be with's face.
1: Well, I'm not they gonna, gonna spit in your face. <laughs> <laughs> spit in your face, but
5: please, yeah, okay.
1: When I do <laughs> things like that, I just get excited. I'm like. I know. Conspiracy. I know. You found
5: him. Got him.
1: I got him. I got it. I know the EPA. I know it. Now my computer's going to go down because they know I know.
5: Yeah, they're going to (laughs) come at you, man.
1: (laughs) All right. So the bottom line is maybe you don't care about anything we talked about. You listen just for entertainment value. Great. We've talked about the apocalypse this week. We've talked about the 10 year period of tribulation between 2020, 2030 this year, the great reset, the great conjunction, the month of Janus. We've talked about symbols. We've talked about New Year's Eve presentation, New Year's night presentation of uh, the Seattle Space Needle. We talked about uh, liberty shrugged last night, topical events. We get into food tonight and how we rely on political leaders. We rely on Democrats in particular to be concerned about the environment when in reality we've actually seen Donald Trump pull the U.S. out of environmentally damaging programs, but also, 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 also roll back environmental restrictions that probably were a good thing. So Republicans, Democrats, they do the exact same thing. Tom Vilsack is now going to head up the USDA again. I'd like to know where all the liberal bourgeois people are that are concerned about the environment there. As long as it's blue, they don't care who they vote because that's how they do it. Just like Republicans do the same thing. And then you have people like Michael Taylor, who's like the cousin of Al Gore's wife and Michael Taylor's wife is running part of the UN trying to regulate herbs as Toxic substances to nutrients to, to ban yeah. nutrients to ban nutrients them or are
5: toxic substances and should be regulated.
1: All this transcends politics, but there is a politics to food. So if you take anything away from this show, take away some of the tips that maybe Hope gave some of the tips. I don't know if I gave many tips tonight. You gave most of the tips, but simple things like it'll save you money. Don't buy as much food. Go to yeah. the store more often if you're able to. Yeah, if
5: that incentivizes, incentivizes you. To actually do this, like saving more money, you won't have to go to the grocery store as often you won't have to. Like if you meal prep once a day, you don't have to spend all that other time and if throughout you do, the week doing those things.
1: Exactly. And if you do have, you know, no option except to go to the store once every two weeks or something, then you, then you try to plan out your foods. Mm-hmm. All this is centered around consciousness and thinking. Being aware, you don't have to rely on anybody, including us, to think this type of thing. You just have to be able to open your mind and think for yourself. And then it becomes common sense. And stop listening to all the noise. nature,
5: too. Like, you only have to really think about it for a couple weeks. And then it becomes habit. Like Yes. I don't think twice about composting now. Like, it's so easy.
1: I'm already yeah. in one week of composting? I'm the same way.
5: Right. Like, it's very simple to, like, retrain your thought process once you know
1: so, your final thought then on the show?
5: Just that it's something that we all should be more aware of, and people who genuinely care or like, or people who disgenuinely care, who say that they care, need to take more personal responsibility and actually change their actions, align your actions with your morals and your values.
1: That's right. And I would add, although I, I agree with that, I would add to that food can be a personal thing, it's a family thing some of us think about food some of us don't and a lot of people that listen to this show they enjoy, i know cuz i get emails they enjoy this type of subject matter but i i also know that it's all often mistranslated that it's not just a food show this is a, it's about thinking
5: yeah it's huge it's it's far beyond food it's far beyond politics it's about mindset and thinking mindset, and yeah. being more aware and becoming more conscious of your actions and the consequences that your actions do or do not have
1: whether it's applied to food or it's applied to any other subject. It's the same process. It's really I think consciousness, mm-hmm. being conscious, being aware and just casting off the mental shackles of bias and bigotry towards certain faiths uh, politically or you know being a part of different groups. I'm not saying stuff like that is bad, but when you're relying on a group to direct, you know, your perception of reality That's not a good thing, I don't think. And I don't care it's red or blue or green.
5: Yeah, maintain your independence as an individual, like individual thought, independent thought, remaining humble in it, not allowing the ego to inflate too much, and being open to learning constantly.
1: And here's what happens. Unfortunately, as you've quoted tonight, the percentages of 40 to 50 percent of food in the U.S. is wasted, and... Different statistics for different amounts and types of food. Produce as a percentage. All food overall is a percentage. It's about a, it's about a third worldwide of all food is wasted, just mm-hmm. gone. And you can break the percentages down however you want to break the percentages down. But the reality is there's plenty of food on the planet. But there's not a scarcity problem. There's maybe scarcity of distribution systems right. and solutions that are easily, easily implementable. That are ignored because it's a matter of responsibility or it's it's easier
5: or because economics people will take out economic losses because they economic rely losses, on yep. the loss of food to help keep money flowing in the economy.
1: That's right. And, and, and when you factor all this in, you start to realize, well, all these problems we think we have about overpopulation and lack of food and resources, the solution to them is not some giant, monstrous, lumbering government that dictates to us what we can buy when we can buy it how much of it we can buy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's taking responsibility and saying, you know what? I'm going to have that banana rather than throwing it out. I'm not going to go buy something extra. And let me tell you something. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Tom Vilsack, M- Monsanto man, Michael Taylor, none of these people have the power. You've got the individual power. I know that sounds like some self-help bullcrap, but it's really true.
5: It is true, yeah. At the end of the day, like you have and as much power as you allow yourself to have.
1: And whether it's food doesn't matter if it's uh, about green peppers and watermelons or it's about your views on the environment or any subject. It's really just about consciousness and thinking. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for thinking.
5: Thank you for having me on and thank you of for course. thinking and inspiring me to think and asking me these questions that make me think.
1: You inspire me too. And now I'm composting.
5: Perfect.
1: I am composting now. Proud of you. Yeah, You're proud of me? I was going to ask you if you're happy about it.
5: I am. I'm proud of you. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I'm I'm happy that you've been able to show me the composting, and you've also taken into consideration that um, you know, it's okay to kind of splurge with each other and have fun with the food.
2: Because
5: mm-hmm.
1: I know we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. We sometimes we splurge too much with each other on the food, but
5: I know we enable <laughs> we enable a each bit. other, <laughs>
1: but that's okay. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. Hope, my co-host. Thank you for joining us again.
5: Stay safe. Stay informed.
1: And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast right here on The Fringe FM. Again, this is The Secret Teachings.